Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. I often get asked, what's my opinion on our healthcare system? I believe the best healthcare begins with you looking into the mirror and taking control of your own health. Joining us next is Dr. Reagan Anderson, the author of Universal Death Care. He wrote his book after being frustrated with ill-advised government regulations and politics and profit-driven insurance companies and big pharma's price gouging. He's going to share his insight into why our healthcare system is broken and what needs to be done to fix it. Don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a dermatologist, business owner, professor, speaker, author, and entrepreneur. As a former combat doctor with two deployments to Iraq, he is now attacking the healthcare crisis. He's on a mission to individually and collectively empower people to take control of their own health and mend a fractured healthcare system. His new book is called Universal Death Care, a Solution for Healthcare in the Age of Entitlement. Welcome to the show, Dr. Reagan Anderson. Hello, Reagan. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. First, share with the listeners what motivated you to write Universal Death Care. You know, I, I was just done with the healthcare system. It, from top to bottom, inside and out, everything needs to be changed. And I just got so frustrated. You know, I, I love this country and I fought for this country and I'll fight for it again. But we have a problem in America where we think we're the best at everything. And when you think you're the best at everything, you don't think you need to change. Well, America is ranked 37th, 37th in the planet for healthcare systems. And I just started looking at all of the evidence that's out there, realizing we have a lot of work to do, and I need to do my part to spread the word. Yeah, fantastic. You know, you share in the book that healthcare needs to focus on disease prevention instead of caring for those that are sick. That's right on my my way of thinking. But it seems like one proactive step first would be insurance companies covering gym memberships, a dietitian, juice bars, and maybe stress relieving things like yoga and massage. Wouldn't that encourage people to be healthier and actually save the insurance company's money instead of those expensive surgeries and drugs? You know, I, I tend to agree with you, but I, I'd like to put a caveat on, on what you just said. So absolutely, prevention needs to be the key. Otherwise, we're just chasing our tails and driving after profits instead of health. And unless we have health, none of us will reach our full potential. But I, I don't want to put all of this on the insurance companies. Yes, it would be helpful if insurance companies would help subsidize healthful living. But I also think that we need to to do the things that we can do for ourselves that are absolutely free to take our health seriously. Go for a walk. Do some push-ups in your living room. You can go on YouTube and, and open up a, a yoga video and have that be free and do it in your living room. So, yes, while I think insurance companies could focus more and help us to uh, focus more on our health instead of disease, I think that most of that burden relies on us, the individual. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I agree. But it's funny how if uh, once insurance coverage, people tend to go, oh, I'm going to go to the gym because my insurance coverage, whereas, as you said, they should go anyway. I've learned <laughs> it, it's a mission to get them to uh, to dive in to do things that are free, you know, even just something simple as a walk, get some fresh air, what a difference it makes in health. I do love on in your book the plan words you use in Chapter 8, American 
or Americant. And I read a sentence from this chapter, and I'm going to read it, and then I want to get your views on it. You say, democracy is being taken hostage, and it's time that we, the people, take it back by shedding our political affiliations and start actively participating in a healthy dialogue. Now, with this country so divided right now, how can we bridge this gap and all become Americans instead of Americans? So I think it's a matter of identity. So all of us uh, choose our identity throughout our lives. And some of those are very healthy identities, uh, father, mother, brother, sister, friend, uh, you know, these sorts of things. And some of them are altogether unhealthy. I think that aligning yourself with a particular political party is fine as long as it does not become your identity. Because once something becomes your identity, it, it tends to become your religion. And once it becomes your religion, it's infallible. And I don't think the political parties, I don't think the founding fathers ever meant for us to say we're Republicans or Democrats. Uh, I think they meant for us to say we're Americans. We might have slightly different philosophic views on how to get to the same exact destination, but that is that should not be our religion. You know, George Washington said close to his deathbed that the thing that will destroy our country are our political parties. And I think that he was a very wise man and could see exactly what happened this last year during the pandemic. Uh, the political parties were more interested in gaining power and traction than they were in aligning with each other and trying to get through the pandemic in the most healthful, beneficial way possible. And what that's led to are horrible, horrible statistics um, that we have in this country. And I we have to start saying health is not a partisan issue. You know, I'm, I'm going to go so far as to say gun control isn't a partisan issue. I think every single American would sit down and say, yes, I want safety. I, I want to be safe wherever I go out in public. We can all agree on that. Now, how we get there might be some differences, but why don't we start focusing on what we all want instead of the differences and then see where we can come up with a reasoned plan uh, these things are not about power plays. They're about having a well-functioning government, a well-functioning society, a healthful society uh, where we, we help each other. You know, I, I, have, I use naturopathic doctors. I, I, use, uh, I am an osteopathic physician myself. I use MD doctors. I use nurse practitioners. I use PAs. I use nutritionalists uh, because I know that each one of those different professions have something to offer, and I have something to offer. And if we all can just say, okay, the health of the patient is number one, not the health of the pharmaceutical board of directors uh, bank account, okay? So the health of the patient is number one. How do we get there? We might have all little differences of opinion on how to do it, but if we put our heads together, I promise you we're going to have a, a better uh, functioning healthcare system. Uh, patients are going to get better. They're going to get the care that they need instead of all of us just trying to vie for power. It's, it's just not appropriate. Yeah, so true. And, you know, I, I really, foolish me, I thought when the pandemic hit, that would bring people together on both sides. You know, we're all in this together. We're human <laughs> beings. I was wrong. I, I really thought, wow, we're going to hold hands and say, look, we're human beings and we, we're, we're in trouble, folks. And opposite happened. I stand corrected. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little odd, but I, I, I'm right with you there as we should bond as people. It's not about left or right. It's about focusing in the center. And that's where we're all walking. So that was good, good info. Now, in your book, 
book, you discuss the price gouging that takes place in America by Big Pharma, and you share a scary statistic that Canadians pay 56% less for the same exact drugs because they negotiate prices. Why is the USA allowing greedy drug companies to have this license to steal? Well, I mean, in 2020, the lobbyists spent over $300 million to get their pharmaceutical products um, a favorable read in the FDA and through Congress and all these sorts of things. So uh, $300 million. Now, on average, a pharmaceutical collects $7 for every dollar they spend on lobbying efforts. So it's a seven times return on investment. And uh, you just follow the money. I mean, I, first of all, let me say this. I, I, I believe that the most consumed drug on the planet is food. So hands down, food, if you look at the definition of what a drug is, it will change our body's function. We all know that if we you know, drink 10 Jolt Colas and have a donut, that we're going to be jacked up for a while and feel horrible. Um, so food is a drug. And we also know if we eat a, a good broccoli, kale salad, we're going to feel good. Um, we have to start looking at our food as a drug. And if we want to actually live healthful lives, it starts with what we're ingesting in our body. And it ends with our mindset that we live our life with. So if we want to look at pharma and point the finger, that's fine. But I think we also have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what's in our fridge? Have we had a carrot in the last week? You know, what are we, are we drinking water or are we drinking the poison that we call soda pop? Um, if we look at the processed foods, that we consume, uh, they are killing us. I mean, they're literally done studies that show if you do more than uh, four ultra-processed foods a day, that your chances of dying from all causes goes up. And four ultra-processed foods, that's your cereals, uh, you know, your, your over-the-counter cereals that are overly processed, that's your um, frozen pizzas, that's your soda pop, that's your even some of your sports nutrition drinks. The standard American diet, the sad, sad standard American diet, is filled with nothing but ultra-processed foods. And it is literally giving us diabetes, obesity, robbing us of our potential, depression, y you name it. Um, we have to start looking at food as a drug. Yeah, and not only that, you bring up a good point. When's the last time someone went to their medical doctor and received guidance on proper eating? <laughs> it just, well, it's just, we're it's not, not the taught forefront. it. Exactly. We're not taught it. You know, I went to the founding school of osteopathic medicine, and I think that they gave me a fantastic education. But we're supposed to be, um, you know, kind of the bridge between uh, the MDs and the naturopaths. So we're supposed to have our, our feet kind of in both camps. We really don't anymore. But we spent one week on nutrition. And most of that one week on nutrition was spent on how to put nutrition in an IV in someone's veins when they're in the ICU in the hospital, not talking about, you know, broccoli and blueberries and all of this sort of thing. The number one thing to prevent disease in this country is diet, followed by exercise. And mental health probably is, is the number one issue for all of us above those two. But we're, we spend no time doing it. And we're even paid as doctors. We're paid more to write a drug, a pharma, pharmaceutical agent, yeah. than we are talking about prevention. It's, it's insanity. It's absolutely yeah. insanity. 
It's insane. And when they do recommend doing something proactive, I get so many patients tell me, oh, my medical doctor just says take a one a day and that, that's fine and everything, I can eat what I want. And what I love this one, Doc, is I get so many people coming in, you know, that, that their medical doctor told them to take, just chew a Tums every day and that'll keep your bones strong because it has calcium. <laughs> they're, yeah. still, they're still saying this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It, it, what, what, what do you think is the number one thing that, that we need to be focusing on for prevention? Do you think it's mental health or diet or exercise? What would you say? Or would you say yes? <laughs> no, I would de definitely put diet. You know, I wrote a book, Food Sanity. It talks about all about the food. And I think that, you know, you are what you eat. And, you know, that was uh, Hippocrates was focusing on that 2,500 years ago. And science has shown him to be right. You are what you eat. And let thy food be thy medicine. And it's so Absolutely. true. And, and you know, what's interesting. I'll see things I can't help with my skills in my office, but if I change a patient's diet, they get better. And it's like, wow, it was that simple. Get off the milk. No wonder you're getting stuffed up nose and sinuses. I can treat you all right. I want for the disease, but you're drinking milk before bed and that creates mucus. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and, and a lot of times people they just don't want to change their daily habits because they're addicted to them. They're addicted to the dopamine surge. They're addicted to the serotonins that they get. They're addicted to the mental feeling or the reminders they get of childhood eating the certain food. And I think that once you start making small adjustments in your diet, um, you will start to see the benefits, not just in how you feel, but how you think and how you look at the world. And my point in the book is that we have to take responsibility and don't try to become the healthiest person in the world overnight. Take small steps every day. And when you do those small, small little steps, celebrate them so that you're changing your mindset so that your reward center of your brain is not now focused on getting a reward from a drug that's in a food that's horrible for you. But now your reward is saying, wow, I'm actually taking care of myself. I feel empowered. I can do this. And the other point of my book is that we need to stop saying things like universal health care is a socialist system. It's just not. If you look at France, they have what people would call a socialist system. The government gives everybody a voucher for health care insurance. And then the people shop the independent private market for who is going to give them their insurance. So everybody gets covered you still have a choice, and the private industry still reigns supreme. But the government is allowing everybody, every citizen, to have health care. I think a long time ago, certain political parties have branded universal health care as a communist system, and we all are going to lose our insurance if we go with it. You know, nothing could be further from the truth. The, the U.S. spends more per capita on health care than any other country in the world, and yet we're 37th on the planet, and our disease outcomes are worse than almost every developed nation out there. Right. So what is the best solution? I know there's, there's so many options, private insurance, HMOs, Obamacare, universal health care. Is that your opinion on the best solution to uh, give people a plan? So my opinion is that we have the best solution is to hold people, industry, and government accountable for their actions. So for people. Right now, we have a healthcare system that says if you want to destroy your body with horrible foods, not exercising, alcohol, cigarettes, if you want to do all these bad things your entire life, when you turn 65, you now go on the government dime for Medicare. And this is when our bodies start to fall apart. And that's bankrupting the system. 
So our healthcare system right now does not hold people accountable for their decisions, and that's why we're being bankrupted. It would be like car insurance. Imagine this. You're driving down the road. You're going 30 miles an hour. You're following the speed limit, and a car whizzes by you at 60 miles an hour. And yet, two weeks later, you get a bill in the mail for the other driver speeding. That's our health care. If you're taking care of yourself and you're doing everything possible, you're hardly going to consume any health care your entire life unless there's a freak accident. But what you're paying for is you're paying for all these people who are not taking care of themselves. We don't allow it for car insurance. Why do we allow it in health care? It's estimated that over 50% the estimates are between 50 and 85% of every healthcare dollar spent in America is spent treating diseases that could have been prevented with simple lifestyle changes. I'm not asking people to become marathon runners, simple lifestyle changes. So if you're asking me my solution, it starts with accountability with the individual, with the citizen. It starts with accountability also with the pharmaceutical industry that they think that if they only change their prices 10% a year, goes up in price 10% a year, that they are uh, doing the right thing. Well, if my investments in the stock market went up 10% every year, I'd be doing backflips. What happens is that the pharmaceutical industry, it ends up doubling their prices every six, seven years. So the further away you get from research and development, we all know the price should go down. Instead, now we have generic uh, drugs that are more expensive than branded because they just keep jacking up the prices. And it starts with government being accountable for their actions. You know, they, they pass these crazy, crazy laws with no regard for what it does to physicians or industry or anything else. They are one-sided laws that do not have comprehensive, coherent thought behind them. And then they ask industry to make up. Well, it's gotten so bad that if you look at statistics of physician burnout, depending on which one you read, we probably have about a 60 to 80% physician burnout in this country right now which means you have a way better chance of your physician being completely burnt out, distracted, tired, depressed, um, than you do going to a doctor who actually has their full mental capabilities about them. Uh, a physician kills himself every day in America, and that's only gotten worse since COVID. And by the way, um, the burnout and depression rates among physicians has only gone up about 12% due to COVID. Everything else is due to what the government is trying to do to us. And it, everything needs to change. My solution is not universal health care. It's not our current system. Either one could work if we just hold everybody accountable. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I know the subtitle of your book is A Solution for Healthcare in the Age of Entitlement. Tell us what do you mean by the age of entitlement? So I'm sure you see this um, both in, in your podcast life and in your professional life as a naturopathic physician, but um, people think that they can abuse their bodies their entire lives and then they come in to the doctor's office and we have a magic wand that we can wave and all of a sudden everything that they've destroyed for 40 50 years can be fixed with a pill and a snap of a finger and and we we think that we're entitled to that it's just not the case um, we have to make intelligent decisions each and every day and if we do we'll live our best life but if we don't 
there's nobody on the planet who can who can wave the magic wand and everything is good. Yeah, so true. Let's talk about hospital costs. I know I read according to the Healthcare Cost and Utilization Project, the average hospital stay in the U.S. costs ten thousand seven hundred dollars. And I had a patient tell me while she was in the hospital, she was charged forty two dollars for one ibuprofen pill. Now, a bottle of Advil with a hundred capsules costs nine dollars. Uh, shouldn't that be illegal? <laughs> Well, it should, but this here's the danger with, with what you just said. So the thought process goes, it's $40 for a pill, which I agree with you is absurd. But what are all the rules, regulations, and all the red tape that has to happen in order to deliver that? And how many patients are the hospitals actually getting paid for? So emergency room physicians actually do the most amount of pro bono work of any specialty. Because in 1986, uh, Congress decided to pass a law that said, no matter if you have insurance or don't have insurance, nobody's allowed to be turned away from the ER. Well, that sounds really good. But what ends up happening is they don't make provisions for the 60% of people who go to the ER and they never receive a penny for it. So we, we really need to have good policies come out of Washington, D.C., because what ends up happening is, you know, six out of 10 patients, they don't collect a dime on. So four out of 10, they have to collect for everybody else that they didn't. And that's just jacking up the prices. So it, it's absurd. I 100% agree with you. But it's not just as complicated as, you know, really that should cost 50 cents. Uh, we have to look at the entire system. Colorado right now, which is where I live, is trying to do this insane, insane legislation that says that if industry doesn't reduce prices by 10%, 20%, just reduce prices, pull a rabbit out of a hat, that then there's going to be a government-run option and all these sorts of crazy policies going on top of it. They made the unfortunate and ill-advised decision to just say, you guys fix it, and we're not going to fix the underlying problems. The real work comes in fixing each one of these underlying problems, which is going to take an enormous amount of work, not just to say, okay, if you don't do this, there's going to be penalties. That's what I mean by government has to take accountability for their own actions. Not just do the easy thing um, and not look at all these policies that have been so detrimental over the years, but do the hard work. Yeah. Great info. In the two minutes we have left, time just flew by. Is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners that we didn't get to? Guys, you can do it. Think, think of the children you've raised. Think of the degree you got. Think of the house you constructed. Think of the, any sort of obstacle that you've had in your life. And put that in perspective with eating a carrot and going for a walk. You can do this. Like, <laughs> you have done harder things in your life, I promise you. But if you want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it starts with your health. So stop making excuses. Look at the thousands of things you've done that are harder than having a salad today and make one small step and then celebrate it. Two small steps tomorrow and celebrate it and so on. Well said. Fantastic info. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, and you're, you're, you're speaking a topic that I, I'm passionate about. So I'm glad to have you on the show. And you're definitely bringing attention. I believe this topic needs to be discussed more, especially to doctors hearing this so they can educate their patients instead of come back or write you another prescription when that runs out. I think we rely so much on our doctors if we can just paradigm shift a little bit and focus more about diet and looking in the mirror and taking care of yourself. That's the ultimate health care. That's great. The 
book is called Universal Death Care, A Solution for Healthcare in the Age of Entitlement. And you can get your copy at ReaganBAnderson.com. And you can also follow him on Facebook at Reagan Anderson. For my daily social media posts, I'm at Dr. David Friedman. If you heard Dr. Anderson share something today that somebody that you know needs to hear, send them a link to this podcast available at ToYourGoodHealthRadio.com. And check out our podcast library and share these segments with friends, family, co-workers, and on social media. Sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.